some molecules are so powerful that they are in a category of their own. They are known as highly potent compounds and can elicit the biological response in our bodies at extremely low doses. This potency can be useful if we need it to specifically target a small cell population. And therapies that use highly potent compounds are often less costly to manufacture. But manufacturing them comes with an increased risk for scientists and the manufacturing personnel as exposure to already tiny amounts of these compounds could elicit a reaction even in these healthy individuals. The drug discovery and development market is evolving towards higher potency. And highly potent compounds now represent between 25% and 30% of all new molecules. So how are they made? And what are the trends and future of highly potent compounds, also known as HPAPIs? Here to answer these questions and more are two Lonza experts, Celine Araya, our managing toxicologist, and Charles Johnson, the senior director of small molecule commercial development. I am Martina Hestericová, and this is A View On, a podcast brought to you by Lonza. So first of all, hi, Celine. Hi, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Martina, and thank you for the invitation to this podcast. You too, Martina, from my side too. So let's jump directly into the topic which I personally find more than fascinating. Um, Charlie, could you describe for us what is a highly potent compound in the first place? So in, in a very simple way of describing a highly potent compound, it's a, an entity that elicits a pharmacological and or biological response at a very low dose, um, typically low milligrams per day. So that's a very concise definition, if you like. It's not always the case. Highly potent compounds can be compounds with higher doses, but with potential side effects at lower doses. But typically, the, the required pharmacological response is at a low dose. If I can add something to that, just from an occupational toxicological perspective, highly potent compounds usually have an occupational exposure limit, short OEL, below 10 micrograms per cubic meters of inhaled air as an eight-hour time-weighted average. Thanks, Helen. And would you mind explaining to our listeners what the OEL stands for? Yes, the OEL is a dose based on a current scientific knowledge it is judged that there is, would be minimal risk to the health of the workforce if they were exposed to the substance by inhalation every day throughout their working lifetime. Okay, see, so this is relevant more for the manufacturing side of things, I assume, right? To keep the scientists that are in contact during the process of the manufacturing safe, right? Yes, during the manufacturing, but this uh, um, value is actually used also outside of the manufacturing uh, place. Workers that work uh, in a building construction, for example, really everything that could be a risk for an employee. Our listeners are by now familiar with all the modalities that Lonza helps to manufacture. Small molecules, proteins, biologics, and even cell and gene therapies. I wonder... Can all of these modalities be considered highly potent? That's um, a very wide and interesting question. 
traditionally, a lot of the highly potent APIs have typically been small molecules. So just to exemplify that a little bit, some of the traditional classes of highly potent APIs would include hormonal compounds such as gonadotrovin-releasing hormone agonists. Corticosteroids is another large class of HPAPI molecules. Steroidal hormones effectively produced in the adrenal glands, but many synthetic examples of that, things like cortisol and aldosterone. And these corticosteroids, they impact a wide range of physiological processes, including immune response, inflammation, and metabolism. And then finally, the well-known class of anti-cancer compounds. I would like to reply to the question from Martina that uh, there are few uh, biologics that are also highly potent compounds. I would estimate that less than 5% of the biologics that are on the market are usually highly potent compounds. Biologics include peptides, therapeutic proteins, enzymes, and other active biological materials that are made through biological processing, for example, cell culture. What toxicological concerns can these biologics bring to a patient? The concern could be due to the strong allergic reaction at low doses, like, for example, through specific therapeutic enzymes or enzymes used for manufacturing of some biologics, or due to the high toxicity of the payloads of antibody drug conjugates. Another example could be due to some immunomodulatory effects potentially occurring on the lung epithelia of some specific compounds. This should be avoided by keeping the exposure of the operator below the OEL, which for these substances is usually lower than 10 micrograms per cubic meter. That's really a comprehensive overview. And really, thank you for mentioning antibody drug conjugates. I invite all of our listeners to also go back to our second season, to the seventh episode, where we explore the manufacturing of antibody drug conjugates, including their target indications. But back to HPAPIs. So what are these molecules used for? You mentioned treating cancer, etc. But I wonder if we look at highly potent compounds in general, do they have a common mechanism of action? So there is no one size fits all, but one of the most concerning mechanisms of action is definitely mutagenicity, which is the ability to target DNA and possibly cause some mutation that may result in case the mutation is carried further and targets relevant genes in cancer. An additional concerning mechanism of action is the targeting of fast duplicating cells, which is something that occurs in oncological drugs. Unfortunately, this uh, might also allow the targeting of important cells of the reproductive and developmental system. Mm -hmm. I see. Now I'd like to focus also on the manufacturing side of things. So you've been mentioning OEL and how we need to protect all the workers that come in contact during the manufacturing process. How does the manufacturing process of these compounds look like? I also am curious about the fear factor. We have discussed this with Stefan Rosenberger in the last episode of our second season that even AI tools can be now used to train operators before they actually enter the area of manufacturing. So the fear factor would be minimized. So Charles, what's your take on that? 
it's a very far-reaching question in my view. And I think that the control of the development and manufacturing of HP APIs is something which, for me, is very much grounded in the design of the process that you are ultimately going to operate. And by that, what I mean is getting a very good understanding of the potency and toxicity of not only the API, but also of the steps prior to the API. So throughout the synthetic process is a a very important aspect. That is a cross-disciplinary effort involving the likes of Celine and also the process chemists. The aim is always to minimize the number of highly potent steps that you are actually going to manufacture. So introducing that potency and or toxicity as late in the synthetic scheme as possible. That's, for me, the first step. Thereafter, it becomes a question of controlling exposure to the scientists and the manufacturing personnel. And that is done in a number of ways. The preferred option is to have engineering controls, which minimize the potential for exposure. Thereafter, it's around operational aspects. And as you mentioned, Martin, the fear factor is important here. Training of operators, and in particular manufacturing operators, is extremely important when it comes to manufacturing HP APIs. And also designing the individual manufacturing steps to be easy for the operator to carry out is a big concern as well. Because if you make things difficult in a manufacturing sense, human nature kicks in and potentially operators look for shortcuts. And then finally, obviously, protective personnel equipment is part of the solution, but it should be the point of last resort. In my mind, if you're heavily relying on PPE, then you've failed at the earlier points in the design of the process and in the training of operators. Really good point you just raised. Thank you. And um, from my experience, so I worked as a scientist for more than a decade, actually. And when I joined Lonza as a scientist, I thought that with my experience from my PhD studies, having worked with heavy metals, I would know how to handle APIs. I remember that one training I did where it was basically a training designed to just open a container with a highly potent compound, wait on a scale and prepare a solution out of it in a fume hood. Instead of using a highly potent compound, we used a highly fluorescent compound without the UV light while I was handling the the compound. And then we looked at the aftermath. I thought since I've been handling toxic things more than half of my life that I would do really well. But I must say, when I looked under the UV light at the fume hood, I was really surprised to see many particles around it because it was a really fluffy compound, let's say. So already when I opened the container, it was flowing everywhere. And this made me really self-conscious of how complicated it must be to learn to behave in a different way, I assume, right? So when you are handling these compounds, you can't just move the way you you would normally do. You need to learn how to move more slowly, right? More patiently. So Charlie, I also would like to ask you if you could explain or really describe to us so we can imagine how it looks like. How should you change your behavior when you have a highly potent compound on your hands? One of the key things there is to be very familiar with the standard operating procedures for the equipment that you are dealing with. 
things should be done in a careful manner, avoiding situations where you are rushing. I think those are the key things. And Martina, I just also wanted to thank you a lot for explaining your experience with highly potent compounds as a worker. I also wanted to add on the experience on designing the process for the highly potent compounds. There are also other measures that are in place and actually the stop principle applies. This stop principle defines the hierarchy of protective measures and groups them. And this stands for substitution, technical measures and organizational and personal protective equipment. And the PPE, personal protective equipment, is really only the last resource. Celine, I also wonder how do you determine how much containment is needed for a given molecule? To determine the containment, you have to do something that is called risk assessment. Risk is usually the combination of hazard and exposure. You always aim to reduce the exposure as low as possible. And in relation to the hazard assessment, the concept comes back to the heart of toxicology, which is the science of hazard. Or I prefer to see it actually as the science of health. The dose makes the poison is indeed the principle from Paracelsus. During the API development, doses that are efficacious are characterized and these can be used for the hazard assessment. These studies are checked and the most relevant critical effects and doses are used to derive a safe exposure limit relevant for the worker population. What are our in-house capabilities to support the manufacture of highly potent APIs at Lonza? The easy answer to that, it's very extensive and it's extensive in a number of different ways. So Lonza's capabilities cut across lots of different technologies. So We've been talking about small molecules. Um, we've been talking about biologics. We've been talking about enzymes and peptides. So there's a lot of capability um, within Lonza that cuts across those different technology streams and including um, this up-and-coming area of antibody drug conjugates, for example. It also cuts across both drug substance and drug product capabilities on the drug product side, a lot of what is done in, in some of the um, US sites is associated with new oncology drugs. A lot of those have bioavailability issues. So there is a lot of containment technology associated with being able to, to deal with those challenges. The final point that I would make as well is that there is a very large operating range for work with HPAPIs within Lonza. So everything from very, very small lab scale capability all the way up to multi-tums batch capability for some of the higher volume products, for example, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, etc. Charlie, what about trends in this space? It's very difficult to very accurately describe that, but somewhere between sort of 25 and 30% of all new chemical entities are highly potent. And I think that that's a pretty good estimate, actually, and I think there is a trend towards greater potency as well. Certainly the overall trend, not just in oncology, because perhaps that is moving in a, a more targeted direction, but in a lot of other disciplines, HPAPIs are becoming more prevalent. And again, this goes back to the question, what are the advantages of working with HPAPIs? A patient is receiving less of a drug. It's maybe easier to, to administer and 
also focusing on oral delivery of drugs rather than intravenous delivery, which has historically been a feature of, of oncology therapy as well. From a manufacturing perspective, if you're producing less of a material, it's an advantage, it's more efficient. You're not using large equipment all the time. You're not using large volumes of um, reagents and solvents. It's a more sustainable, a more green approach to, to manufacturing. So I think there are a number of pressures that drive the path towards more and more HP APIs. The primary advantage is uh, to be able to cure more people. And uh, there are just some therapies uh, that have to have uh, low doses to be able to cure patients in the appropriate way. Coming back to the highly potent API landscape, we have determined that there is a large expectation that the market will grow. More and more compounds that are entering the development pipeline are highly potent. I wonder what developments do you expect from the manufacturing perspective? Um, going back to the ADC conundrum, these payloads are typically somewhere between 100 and 1,000 times more potent than traditional oncology agents, right? So they require extreme levels of containment. So they require extreme engineering control. Typically, that is achievable right now with existing technologies, but Lonza are actually involved in a, a scale-up program to produce at multi-kilo scale. And that becomes a challenge because it's not then just a, a, a challenge of dispensing and isolating materials. Every step in that production train has to be rigorously contained. So I would say that the trend is to more extreme containment, engineering containment, um, at larger scale for things uh, like ADCs. So actually optimizing your equipment train when working with HP APIs is important, both from a safety and efficiency and a cleaning um, perspective. So the, the less equipment that you use, the less surfaces that you expose to your potent compounds, the better. The less times you transfer highly potent materials, the less risk there is. So again, it, it sort of comes back to the design aspects of, of your process, but those are trends as well. And maybe also another point, if we really design well this containment and we are at the upfront in setting what is the right design for this manufacturing, we can be also very energy efficient because we reduce the steps and we can also be in that way more sustainable. What a fantastic way to end the episode. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I can really see you are very motivated to work in this area. And I'm sure our listeners now understand better how highly potent APIs are made that are saving the lives of many patients around the world. So thanks again. Thank you, Martina. It was great. Thanks for the opportunity. And that's all for today. Thanks for listening to a view on manufacturing of highly potent compounds with Celine Araya and Charles Johnson. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the science behind the potent treatment options. We will be back next month with another deep dive into the pharma manufacturing world, this time with an episode dedicated to CAR T cell therapies. 
If you cannot wait, head over to lonza.com forward slash a-view-on to listen to our previous episodes. Also, subscribe to never miss an episode and you can access additional materials and interviewee info on our page as well. Thanks for listening and bye for now.